Hello and welcome to the Marketing Meetup podcast. Thank you so much for listening today. Today we have Katie Martin, who is the Head of Marketing Excellence for Innocent Drinks, which I'm just going to take a moment to stop and go, God, that's cool, isn't it? Like, it's really nice. I think we've become so normalized at the Marketing Meetup with the standards of our guests that we forget Blumenek, one of the best marketing companies in the industry. Uh, and we have him on the podcast today, which is just lovely. Uh, Katie is an absolutely wonderful human being, uh, kind, open, uh, self-described as jolly, uh, as well as being competent and uh, just uh, generally carrying herself as as just a, a wonderful person. Today is all about growth mindsets. Uh, specifically, Katie follows a very logical structure through a three-part talk uh, that takes you on the journey of uh, what is a growth mindset, how you can cultivate one, and uh, how why it's important, why why growth set mindsets uh, are, are right there and, and and important for us to cultivate. I think you'll really enjoy it. So I'm going to pass over to her just after I've said a big thank you to our sponsors for this week. And this week's feature sponsor is Braze. Now, Braze are a wonderful uh, customer engagement platform, which basically means that they help you meet your customers where they are, uh, whether it's through emails, through SMS, uh, whether it's through analytics or whatever, just to bring everything together nicely. So you're able to interact with your customers in a really meaningful, consistent way way that is super easy for you to integrate into your systems that you're already doing uh, potentially across several different platforms. Uh, Braze are well worth checking out and will be sponsors for hopefully a long time to come. With all that said, uh, now's the time to pass over to Katie. I really hope you enjoy and uh, take care. So today, uh, what a beautiful tea up from Joe. And yes, I'm here to talk about how to embrace change and grow from it. And I think it's worth starting by saying I am by no means a change expert. Um, I have learned a lot along the way, and I'm hoping that today I can just share some of that with you guys. As Joe said uh, a few times uh, in running up to this event, I'm here to help. And if I can help you, even if you just take one thing away from today that helps you encounter the change journey you're on or the next time some change comes your way, or even just helps you reframe a challenge, an opportunity and a personal moment to grow in the future, then you know that, that is what success looks like for me. So hopefully uh, over, over the next kind of uh, few, few minutes, hour, we will explore a bit of that together. But before we get stuck in, uh, I thought it was worth just spending a bit of a moment just introducing myself, uh, just to build a bit on what, what Joe's said so kindly. Uh, and also I'm aware that not everyone on this call, you may not all be familiar uh, with Innocent Drinks, so I'll also just spend a bit of time talking about the brilliant company that I work for. So, hello. Uh, I am Katie. I'm Katie Martin. Uh, I've worked at Innocent on and off now for about 12 years. Uh, and for the majority of that, I was working in our UK shopper marketing team. Um, and over the last couple of years, as, as Joe said, I am now our head of marketing excellence. So I look after our marketing excellence program, which we fondly call LIME. We love a fruit acronym particularly. So leading Innocent marketing excellence. And what does that mean? Basically, it's my job to train and upskill our marketing community 
uh, in the innocent way of doing marketing. Um, and that's through shared ways of working, common language, training tools, um, all that juicy stuff. And our marketing community is now about 150 people across Europe. So it's also held by bringing that sense of one team, even though we are geographically divided across lots of different regions. So that's me, that's my job, uh, but obviously there's more to us than just our job. So I just thought I'd include a few images that share a little bit about me uh, as an individual. So firstly, this is a picture of me and my husband. I'm sure you will see uh, the likeness. Uh, and it was drawn by one of our two daughters uh, who are aged four and six. And we live in sunny today, at least, uh, St. Albans, uh, which is just north of London in Hertfordshire in the UK. Um, this is a Terry's chocolate orange. And why have I put this up? Well, I think this is part of my, my heritage. Uh, chocolate runs through my blood um, as Sir Joseph Terry, who created and invented the chocolate orange as my great, great, great grandfather. So it's like I was destined to, to work in food and drink. Sadly, though, I'm not a big chocolate lover. I'm very sorry uh, if that's sacrilege to anyone on this call here. But clearly, I've got a, a lot of love for orange, uh, having worked at Innocent for as long as I have. Uh, so that's just a bit of a fun fact about me. And then last but not least, here we are on the 1st of August. And why on earth am I putting up a sign that says, tis the season to be jolly? This is uh, because jolly is my favorite word. Uh, it's how I kind of try and live my life. And I have a sign up in my house all year round that says, tis the season to be jolly. So I think that might give you a bit of an insight into why I'm here to talk about growth mindset um, and how I take a bit of jolly into each and every day and recognize that it's not just Christmas although I'm sure Christmas stuff will be in the shops really soon. So, and for those of you, many of you will, will know um, Innocent and hopefully love our little drinks, um, but for those of you who maybe aren't familiar, we have been crushing uh, fruit and veg into bottles since 1999, when our three founders, Rich, Adam and John, went to a little jazz festival in West London. And at that festival, they set up a table with their drinks on and they put a sign above it saying, should we give up our day jobs to make these drinks? And next to the stands, they had two bins. They had a yes bin and they had a no bin. And they asked people to try the drinks and then vote with their empty cup into the yes bin, into the no bin in response to the question, should we give up our jobs to make these drinks? By the end of the weekend, uh, the story goes that the yes bin was overflowing and the no bin did have three uh, lonely cups in the bottom, which we understand belongs to Rich, Adam and John's mums. Um, so the next day, uh, boys gave up their jobs, they resigned and they started making our little drinks. Um, and I understand that their mums have forgiven them now, but it's taken a while. So. We're nearly 25, so we've definitely had a few important life moments along the journey, along the way. And I'm mindful today, we're talking about change. I think one of the biggest changes we had in, in our early uh, life cycle was you know, the, the challenges that followed the financial crash in 2008. So we, as a business, had to go out to find the right partner to enable us to keep growing, and, and to stay um, you know, fruitful as a, as a business now and for the future. 
So in 2009, Coca-Cola became our shareholder. In 2012, uh, we said goodbye to the founders as they went off to pastures new, but we still see them around. Uh, they are still based in the same part of West London as we are, so they often pop in to say hello. And since then, we've got much, much bigger. Um, so from their small beginnings at that jazz festival in West London, we are now the biggest chilled juice company in Europe. And we sell our drinks in over 18 markets. And our drinks are smoothies in little and big bottles. We have a smoothies range for kids. Uh, we have a range of not from concentrate juices. And we also have a refreshment range of coconut water and innocent bubbles. But there's one thing that's really stayed the same since the very, very beginning, which is we are always and always will be rooted firmly in our purpose um, with our vision of values to help us to grow. So our purpose is to make delicious food and drink that help people and the planet live well and die old. And as I mentioned, you know, we are turning 25 next year and we are currently just reviewing this and making sure that it's still stands true and sets us up for where we want to go in the future or in the future, uh, as we refer to it internally. I did say we love a fruit pun. Um, we're also really proud to be a B Corp and part of that community who are committed to doing business in a responsible way. So that's us, that's me. Um, and I'm now gonna go on and talk a bit about what you're here to hear about today. At Innocent, we like things in threes or fives uh, because we like to think that that helps us to keep the main thing, the main thing. And without that direction, I would probably be waffling about growth mindset until the cows come home. So what am I gonna talk about today? This is my top three. So firstly, a few ingredients for embracing change. Secondly, what is a growth mindset and why does it matter? And then lastly, how you can cultivate a growth mindset for yourself. And I'm sure many of you are already doing a lot of the stuff that I'm talking through, but hopefully, as I said, you'll take something helpful away from today. So firstly, ingredients for embracing change. And I'm gonna start with a question and you don't need to ask, answer this, but I'd like you to think about it. Before we can embrace change, we really need to understand how we as individuals react to it. And I think some people absolutely love change and some people hate it and will, will run as far as they can, as fast as they can away from it. So Joe, I'm gonna ask you uh, to get involved for a second and anyone at home who wants to do this, who can do this is very welcome to as well. But Joe, can I ask you to fold your arms for me, please? Great, now unfold them and fold them the other way. <laughs> how did that feel uh, disorientating it was really odd uh yeah tr tricky <clears throat> tricky okay um I, I hope some of you tried that at home as well uh, or in your workplaces but if you didn't do do give it a go because probably like joe we can both fold, fold, fold our arms both ways you know most people are capable of doing it but one side probably feels easier. We don't need to think about it. The other side probably requires a lot more thought. We saw Joe do a bit of a, a, a folding arm dance or real consideration to, to make it happen. 
And I think the same could be said for change. We're all capable of going through change, but we probably have a preference one way or the other. So for me personally, I quite like change, but it doesn't mean that I always find it easy. Sometimes, like the second way of crossing my arms, I need to give it a bit more conscious thought. Um, but I think it's really important, whatever change we're going through, wherever we are on that change journey, and however big or small the change is, that we pause for a minute and consider what you think or how you feel about that change. It may make you feel comfortable. It may make you feel really uncomfortable. And it may make you feel somewhere in between. But I think it's really important to help us embrace it. Understanding how you react to it, I think, is one of the most important ingredients that you can have. And linked to that, as well as our kind of default preference towards change or default reaction towards change, we all have completely different perceptions of the world around us. And this isn't rocket science, right? You know, the statement here, the way we see the world is unique to us. Clearly, that's true. But I think there's a few different elements that make up how we perceive the world. And that's, that's what this kind of simple equation is here. So the first one, past experience. We all draw on past experiences that are unique to us, that are you know, often ingrained from childhood and, and what we've learned along the way. You know, for me as a child, uh, my dad was in the forces, we moved house every two years, uh, we moved to different countries. And I wonder whether that's why I'm quite open to change, but equally don't always find it that easy. So past experience that we all have learned from and we draw upon to shape that perception. The other element is the noise around us. So the sensory data that we process each and every day. And I think when you bring those two things together, it means that we all have a completely unique perception to how we see the world around us. And I think for me, why, why is this relevant when we're going through change? I think particularly when you put this in a work context, in a team and people lens, so the people that you're working with around you, even if we think people are reacting to change in the same way, we will all be reacting to it very differently because we all perceive the world um, in a completely unique way. So it really varies from person to person. And linked to that, in a world where our perception of reality is completely unique to us, our version of reality is also therefore completely unique to us. So I've just got a few things to consider here. The first one, if we only share ideas with people who have similar experiences to us, then we're really unlikely to learn about different perspectives. And I think for me, this is almost like a bit of kind of echo chamber that you know, if we just hear the same thing, if we read the same stuff, if we have the same conversations, if we shape similar experiences, then we're, we're not going to break free from that. We're not going to understand different perspectives. And I think that's really important when we're going through change, um, different perspectives, different viewpoints, and having that diversity of thought and understanding of others is really key. 
by acknowledging that, so that our own reality cannot represent the whole truth because we don't see it through everyone else's eyes and we can't possibly see the bigger picture, we're admitting that we really need to stay curious and keep learning. Curiosity for me is one of the most important things uh, when it goes to coming through change, to growth mindset, but staying curious, because for me, that's the stuff that helps make us interested in what we don't know. So being curious, it's about finding out more, seeking to understand and keeping learning in all that we're doing. So keep that curiosity going. And I think by broadening, therefore, our understanding of reality, of others' reality, of that bigger picture, and also understanding where our own blind spots may be, if we kind of welcome different experiences and reframe challenges as opportunities to learn, it can really help develop our resilience. And I think resilience is, is key when it comes to change. But I just want to pause on resilience for a minute, because it's often defined as the ability to recover from setbacks, uh, adapt well in change and keep going during times of adversity or tough times. So the classic, when the going gets tough, the tough gets going. But that's tough in itself, right? You know, innocent, Often, I think we have to remind ourselves that it's just fruit and veg, it's just fresh fruit, you know, and sometimes you need to keep that stuff in perspective, because it's really hard when things are really tough just to keep going, just to keep feeling like you're pushing water up a hill with a rake. It can feel impossible. So resilience is really important, but I think it needs to make sure that it's coupled with the right environment. And that's why we need to create an environment where both setbacks and successes are treated as ways to learn or positive learning experiences. And that is all about building trust between the people that you work with, uh, trust within teams, trust within businesses. And this is based on Professor Amy Edmondson and her theory of psychological safety, where failure is celebrated as much as success, different perspectives and views are encouraged, and there's a really strong feedback ecosystem. And this statement here, so a belief that no one will be punished or humiliated for speaking up with ideas, questions, concerns, or mistakes. And I think naturally as humans, often we want to hide the mistakes that we've made or shy away from them, not talk about them, but they are really an important part of how we can learn and how we can grow. Um, and I think it's really important that we create this ecosystem, especially in the toughest of times or when there's a lot of change going on, because this is the opportunity when we can really learn and grow. And a dear friend of mine, James Peach, who I know Joe did a talk for you uh, last week, he often says, you know, in the really tough times, that is when we learn the most. And I, I can't echo that more, but how do we create that ecosystem to cultivate a growth mindset, especially when the going is really tough? So those are my 
ingredients uh, to embracing change. So firstly, we all have the capacity to learn, adapt and grow. So let's recap the things that I've talked through. Number one, understand first and foremost how you personally react to change. Number two, stay curious to different perspectives and how our reality and perception of the world differs from everyone else around us. And last but not least, you know, how do we create a safe culture and space to speak up um, and celebrate importantly, I think success as much as we do failure. And I think I've talked about here a strong feedback culture because I think feedback is golden. And I think at Innocent, we have um, quite a good, quite an established feedback culture, but I still think we could, it could be better. Um, I still think at times we shy away from the tough stuff. And, you know, really that room for improvement feedback is often the, the nuggets, is often the wisdom that really helps us to grow. You know, those blind spots that we're not seeing, that is the, the real gift of feedback. So I'd really uh, think about how you can make that live and breathe in all that you do. So <clears throat> secondly, what is a growth mindset? So many of you will, will know that the term growth mindset was coined by an American psychologist called Carl Dweck in her book, Mindset, The New Psychology of Success, which she wrote in 2006. And it's all centered around the belief that you can develop your skills and talents through hard work. Yes, we do need to work hard at this stuff. Having the right strategies and with guidance and feedback, there it comes again from others. Now that all sounds quite technical, here's the science part, but when, I think it's a really nice example that brings this to life. So anyone who has ever seen a child learning to walk, so they stand up, they wobble a bit, they probably fall back down, and they stand up again, and they might hold on to something that might take a step or two, and they fall back down. And it carries on, they keep standing up, they keep falling back down. But they don't sit down and think, well, that is it. I give up. I am not learning how to walk. They don't even just cope with the failure of falling down every time they try and stand up, at least initially. But they really relish it. You know, they really take it on board and they keep going. It's hard work. It's the right strategies. And often it's probably guy back and feedback from parents or carers saying, well done. Look at you. Look at you go. And it takes time, right? You know, it takes weeks to months for children to learn how to walk. But I think how can we take some of that childhood wisdom, that relishing the failure to keep hard work and keep learning and you know, know that actually we will be able to, to walk one day, we will get there because I'm not gonna give up, I'm gonna keep working. Now, I'm not gonna talk through these, um, but I think it's, to bring it to life again a bit more, I think just thinking about the difference between a growth mindset versus a fixed mindset. And broadly speaking, people who adopt a growth mindset in contrast to a fixed mindset enjoy challenge. They strive to learn. They are constantly seeing new potential to like develop new skills and learning from others and inspired by others versus a kind of fixed mindset where they might avoid challenge, give up quite easily and feel a bit threatened by others around them. So if I build on that analogy of the child learning to walk, I'd really challenge you to think about, you know, what are the steps that get in your way? Because really, it's not about how you fall over. 
it's about how you get back up because I'm sure we've all had times where we've been you know had, had an, a difficult challenge at work we've fallen down but it's what you do next that I believe really matters it's how you respond to that situation that change that challenge and how you get back up and take those steps forward so really keep that in mind next time you encounter a challenge and why does it matter why does a growth mindset matter and I love um, this quote failure is success in progress and I firmly believe um, we are all work in progress you know every day for me is a school day I learn something every day sometimes it will be big sometimes it will be something I don't even notice but I'm so sure that I learn something every day and I think often highly successful people really embrace and celebrate failure and they learn from it but I think you know it gets bad press as a word failure so I think how do we reframe that or frame it even so I uh, I have a personal trainer and we do quite a lot of weightlifting together. Um, she often pushes me to the point of failure, to the point where I cannot lift anything else. My legs and my arms are like jelly um, and I'm in pain and I need to stop. But do I leave the gym? Do I leave that workout and feel, well, that was rubbish, I've really failed? Or do I leave and think, gosh, I, I feel stronger and I'm, I'm going to go back next time and I'm going to work harder. And I think, how do you reframe failure? How do we see it as an opportunity to learn? Because it, it, we can learn from those and we can get up and carry on or lift more weights. So at Innocent, we have growth mindset woven into our marketing philosophy. So this is our marketing philosophy. It's our guide to how we do marketing at Innocent, so a series of statements um, that then underpin our framework for growth. Um, but the last statement here, we have a growth mindset. And for me, this is about how we keep learning and importantly sharing what we're doing so that we're always improving what we do, how we do it, and we understand the impact that it's having. So whether that's reviewing and understanding campaigns or marketing activity that we've done, or whether it's about us as individuals sharing failures, sharing what's worked and what hasn't, um, but it's that constant circle of have we learned from this and how can we improve what we're doing? And I think for me, you know, this is the absolute gem. I think, you know, we are well known for our marketing but I still think we, we can do better. We are work in progress. We can learn from what we've done and how we're doing it, and we can always improve. And you don't need to just take my word for it. Uh, if you don't believe me, um, this is a review from the, the Harvard. Uh, so this report done by the Harvard Business Review. And just some stats of people who work in a growth mindset company are 47% more likely to say that their colleagues are trustworthy. So going back to Amy Edmondson's psychological safety and the importance of trust, um, that obviously is rooted here. 34% feel are more likely to feel a strong sense of ownership and commitment to the company they work for, and 65% more likely to say that the company supports risk taking. And this last point is the one that really sticks with me or stands out here. 
Because if we take risks, those are the real opportunities to learn. Now I'm, I will say it, I'm quite risk averse, but if we never push ourselves out of our comfort zone, we're unlikely to grow. And I go back to the example of me lifting weights. I can lift heavier weights now than I could when, I'm start, when I started because I had to push myself out of my comfort zone. And I think the same can be said with taking a risk. Now, I'm certainly not saying, please go and put everything at stake and take a massive risk in your day job or for your business. But do consider if there are ways that you could embrace opportunities to learn, if you could celebrate that failure as much as you do success by taking a bit of a risk and, and learning from it. And we talk a lot at work about having a, a budget for messing up a, a failure budget, you know, trying things and test and learn and trying and failing so that we can learn. So supporting a safe level of risk to kind of understand what, what we can do and how we can grow and how we can improve. So last but not least, how do we cultivate a growth mindset? So I started today saying that I uh, am naturally very jolly. My favorite word is jolly and I try and live my life uh, with definitely a strong optimism bias uh, in everything that I do. And this section, I'm going to share a few lessons that I've learned personally along the way. Now, these are very much from my own experience. And, you know, remember, we all see the world differently. We all draw on past experience and the environment in which we're around, uh, in which we exist. Sorry. But I think just to share a bit of a story about me, um, in my early 20s, uh, so I was in I think my first year at uni, I was diagnosed with a chronic underlying health condition, which had a huge impact on my energy. So I had very, very low energy levels. And after a few years of treatment, I suddenly experienced, for the first time in my life, um, what it felt like to have normal energy. And at risk of sounding really cheesy, uh, I'm so grateful that I had that experience because it really reframed actually the art of the possible in each and every day. And I really try and embrace that and carry it with me and you know, make the most of, of everything that I do. Now that for me, that's a past experience that I've had that really helps me try and get the best from my life in, in all that I do in work and in play. But I think, you know, can you think about sometimes when there's really hard things, there's really tough times come along how you can come out the other side can really reframe the whole way you perceive your reality, your world, and how you kind of set yourself up for success in your life. So I think there's a few kind of principles or uh, guidelines or, or rules that I kind of try and live by. Firstly, you have a choice. So the phrase mind over matter, I think is, is really key. But in every situation you are in, you can choose how you react to that situation and also how you act in that situation. A few years ago at Innocent, I was, um, we had a restructure and the role that I was doing at the time was made redundant, which honestly, it came as a huge shock. Um, it was during quite a time of change because we were just coming out um, the end of the pandemic. I hadn't long since returned to work, having had my second parental leave. So I had a lot on my plate um, personally and professionally. And then I got this news that my job was being made redundant. And honestly, that how did I react? 
how did I deal with that change? Honestly, I was an emotional mess for the first kind of day or two. Lots of crying. That is my go-to emotion. I also felt a lot of anger. And I've realized that anger for me is a really productive emotion, which I hate to say I've only just realized that quite a long way into my adult life. But I think that kind of pausing, letting myself feel all the emotions, and I'm very much a, a feeler before a thinker, that would be my natural preference, very much heart before head, but really kind of letting myself feel that, understand how I was reacting to the change. And then I decided to embrace the change and really foster the belief that something good would come out of that situation. So whatever the end looked like, which obviously I didn't know, there was a huge amount of uncertainty. I didn't know whether I'd be staying innocent, leaving innocent. I didn't know what job I'd be doing, but I just started to believe that something good would come from that situation because at the very least, I would learn something going through it. Now I'm quite a big believer in um, positive affirmations and many of you uh, may be familiar with Muhammad Ali and he really believed in positive affirmations. So he really believed and trained his brain to believe that he was the best fighter of all time. And there's you know, some research that suggests actually if you really believe in affirmation and it then becomes a bit of a conviction in terms of how you actually live your life. Um, and obviously Muhammad Ali arguably did become one of the best fighters of all time. So I think you have a choice. You can reprogram your mind. You can think about how you react to things. And I think we can really start to really believe in ourselves. So next time a difficult situation comes along, next time you're going through some change, next time you know a curveball is sent in your direction, pause and think about what you choose to do with that. And I think linked to that as well, just reflecting after today, what areas of your, of your life, <coughs> excuse me, do you have a growth mindset? Are there areas that you have quite a fixed mindset? And how could you change that? And I think spending that time just reflecting on that, thinking about that, and next time something comes along, just slightly reframing how you approach it may actually help you manage and embrace that change that you're going through. Secondly, it's hard to embrace a growth mindset all of the time. Now, apparently it takes more muscles to frown than to smile. But if you try smiling all of the time, it's exhausting. You get that kind of cheek ache. Um, often I come across as quite glass half full. And actually there are times where I wonder if that impacts my credibility, whether I just look like I'm existing in a kind of happy-go-lucky land and not having a grasp of reality. So what do I do in that situation? I ask for feedback and the nugget is actually, you know, do I come across as, uh, you know, like I've got my head in the clouds because I'm just quite glass half full. But the nugget is actually when I adapt my behavior and flex my style, it can have a really big impact. So the days, you know, I get teased by uh, my colleagues at work sometimes for being quite grumpy. Uh, and that's often me flexing my style to, to really kind of get the best from the situation. And I think it's also a bit about managing that optimism, because again, when things are really tough, it is really hard to embrace a growth mindset, to see everything as a learning opportunity. And 
an example that I have come across quite recently um, is AI. I am firmly in the, find this quite terrifying camp, and I'm sure I'm not alone there, but you know, rather I have a choice, rather than go and hide under an AI shaped rock, uh, I'm trying to learn more about it. I'm trying to upskill myself. I'm trying to see that challenge, that kind of thing that I find a bit scary as a learning opportunity. And actually, you know, I'm not ashamed to admit it. I did do a bit of research on ChatGPT ahead of today's session, you know, a bit of background reading on growth mindset. So how can you embrace those challenges? But I think as well, valuing that this stuff takes time. Change doesn't happen overnight and changes to us as individuals doesn't happen overnight either. And I think when you think about an acorn growing into an oak, it's the importance of having those strong roots and building on them and growing and really valuing growth over speed. So not wanting to get there really quickly and just do it overnight, but appreciating that we are all work in progress and this stuff takes time. And I think also just knowing when you get the best from yourself and how to manage your energy can really help. So I find a few kind of takeaways on this. I'd say know when you learn best, value growth over speed, so that acorn to oak. It's not a race, it's about making sure that you're finding those opportunities to grow and taking the time to build on those learnings because learning in itself takes time. And I love this last statement, use the word yet. So this comes from Carol Dweck. She says, you know, rather than say, I can't do that, say, I can't do that yet. Or rather than say, I don't know that, it's I don't know that yet. And I think when you think about the analogy of the child learning to walk, they don't say, oh, I can't walk. They think, well, they probably don't say anything because they're quite little, but they say, you know, I, I can't walk yet. And, you know, similarly for me at the gym, you know, I can't lift that weight yet, but I'll get there. So valuing growth over speed and just knowing that actually managing your energy and knowing kind of when you learn best and, and how you can get the best in yourself is really key. Um, and then my last one, um, live your best 75% life and really believe in yourself. And this is not a mantra that I came up with, but it's one that I certainly adopt. And I often hear, I think probably particularly as a, as a parent and also as a woman, I often hear the, oh, you can't have it all. You can't have everything statement. And often I, I agree with that. I think it, it's hard, often that's true. But I think what you can do is reframe what your all or your everything means to you and then go and live that life, live your best 75% life. Because if that's about having balance in your life, if that's about carving out time for things that really matter to you versus striving for 100%, 100% of the time, then I think that is gonna help you grow more. I've said it so many times, so I'll say it again, we are all work in progress every day is a school day. And I think as well, if we can live our 75% life and try and achieve our best within that frame that works for us, then probably we'll feel like we're achieving more and we're more compassionate ourselves. And we also have that time to see that we have areas to improve. So I think on this one, perfect humans don't exist. 
I'm sorry if you think you're a perfect human, I've clearly not met you, but I'm not sure they exist. And I think when we get that room for improvement feedback, that is the stuff that really makes us human. That is the stuff that we can learn from. And lastly, I think this belief, this kind of belief in yourself, and my takeaway here is kind of, how do you believe in yourself like others probably believe in you? And I'm gonna end with, with a bit of a story about um, a dear friend of mine uh, called Kylie. So years ago, before I worked at Innocent, I worked in an events company and Kylie worked with me. She sat at the de desk next to me. And for some reason, every day for the two years that I worked there, she said to me, and she's from New Zealand, so forgive my horribly dodgy Kiwi accent, um, but she'd say, mate, you need to go and work at Innocent. And she said it every day for two years. And whenever she did, you know, initially I'd kind of say, oh, no, you know, I'm not, I wouldn't fit in there or they wouldn't want someone like me. Or it's really hard to move into FMCG when you don't work in FMCG. And I kept kind of coming up with reasons as to why they wouldn't want me, basically. And she kept going and every day would just say, mate, you need to go and work at Innocent. Um, and she actually also then started saying the same thing to my boyfriend at the time, now my husband. So he would then say it to me. So I'd have this kind of stereo noise of you need to go and work at Innocent. So in the end, I plucked up the courage and applied for a job at Innocent. And I've no idea why, uh, to this day, why my friend Kylie thought I'd be such a good fit. And clearly 12 years on, I'm still at Innocent and clearly how right she was. Um, but I think if you can kind of believe in yourself as much as others believe in you, think about, you know, that was an affirmation that she was saying to me every day, you need to go and work at Innocent. Um, I think just how can you really try and take some of that belief and foster it into your own lives and the choices that you make and the way that you approach things. And that is all for me. So I'm going to stop sharing. Lovely, lovely. Thank you so much, Katie. Um, there's so much there. And I, I think <clears throat> I'll share this uh, to the group as like a, not as a bad thing, but as a healthy thing, right? So recently, I, I started therapy for the first time ever, which is an incredible thing to be doing. And it struck me as we were going through the presentation today that there was just so much like hard work and depth uh, to the lessons, you know, so, you know, the, the, the takeaway three, it's easy to sort of present them in 10, 15 minutes, but that's a lifetime of work right there, you know, and, and, and there's, there's so much there. So thank you very much for sharing, because I think genuinely it would be easy to take these and sort of go, yeah, okay, logged it in my mind. Uh, okay, back to work after today. But I think if you take the moment just to sort of sit, reflect, take these on board, then they become really, really powerful things. So thank you for sharing that because like uh, mega, mega useful. And also just wonderful, um, wonderful talk flow as well. Like it appealed to my logical brain a lot. It was bum, 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 really, 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 really great. So thank you very much. Uh, highly enjoyable. So thank you. Um, thank you also to everyone in the chat as well for uh, offering your um lovely support to one another as the talk was going on it was really lovely to see all that going on uh we have a little bit of time uh left uh so we can delve into the q a and i know that um i'm, I'm not going to 
the community never does anything to uh, to, to to send any labels. They're all very, very good questions. Um, the one that has gravitated to the top as most of the session was going on, and I think it's a really lovely one, is uh, com actually comes from Anonymous, who says, uh, when, in your opinion, is the right moment to actively seek out change, e.g. search for a new job, start a new challenge, and take something on? And the reason why I thought that was an interesting question is that, like, uh, when we were curating this talk, a lot of the time I was thinking about change that happens to you. Mm -hmm. um, so, you know, COVID, you know, redundancy, et cetera, you know, but actually I think it's a really interesting thing to sort of have that spark. So when's the right moment for you to seek out change? Mm. So I, it's a brilliant question and actually even reflecting on what I've just talked through, I talk a lot about the change happening to you, you know, being kind of passively going through change. So it's thank you, uh, whoever asked that question. I think for me, there's, there's two things there that I've touched on that I think are really helpful in terms of helping you figure out when is the time to make a change. The first one is curiosity. So why is it that that's kind of coming up and, and what is it that's making you think, oh, should I be making a change? Is it about actually um, being a bit more curious about what's going on in my current situation? So if it's a work change that you're thinking, oh, should I make a change? You're probably asking some of those questions anyway. So I think just spending a bit of time to be curious and understand what, um, what's kind of driving that thought? Could you ask for some feedback? Could you consider actually what is it that's kind of going on and, and where you want to be? And do you need to make a change as a result? Like curiously, does my career continue here or do I need to think further afield, for example? So curiosity, I think is one. I think the other thing is risk. Hmm. And I think there are times in life where we can take a risk. And I think often I've said to my team along the way, um, what's the worst that can happen? You know, if you take that change, step towards change, embrace it, you know, drive your own, you know, we talk about being a career, uh, the driving seat for your career. What is, what is the risk? And actually, if, it's, if you weigh it all up, you know, and there's various ways that people like to do that, but I think, you know, factoring through, okay, if I do this and it doesn't work, excuse me, doesn't work out in the way that I hope it will, what is the worst that can happen? How will I feel or react to that? And then what, what can I do? Because I think one thing I've learned along the way, often if we make a change and if we're the driving force for that change, as long as we, we see it as a learning opportunity and as long as you know we take that and bake it into what we do next, it's not how you fall down, it's how you get back up, then I think it can be it can be really productive. So curiosity and risk and honestly, you know, what is the worst that can happen and how do I feel about that scenario? I love that. Thank you very much. Those are two very useful uh, things to inspect. So thank you. Um, it strikes me as you use the word risk that there's a few uh, questions in the Q&A that reference like innocence, social media specifically, and uh, particularly when you set out with your tone of voice as you did, it was just such a, a unique sort of tone of voice. And, you know, one could interpret that as risky you know, going out into the market in, in, in such a way. And I'm curious how you take these lessons around sort of risk specifically 
and then translate them into a team and, and how you begin to take, you know, a risky mindset or a growth mindset and apply it to this marketing team and sort of say, okay, you know what, we might post this on social media and it might go wrong. Yeah. We have thousands of people have a go at us, but actually that's okay. Cause that seems particularly scary. You know, like- yeah and I think with that you know when we first went out with our tone of voice all those years ago you know that was clearly a risk that paid off um and now you know we're certainly not unique in uh, products speaking to people like they're human you know that is uh, something that I think we see uh, left right and center certainly in the UK um but I think we do you know we talk a lot about freedom within a framework and this is where I said you know don't don't I'm not saying go off and take a massive risk but I think um, we do have social media guidelines. We do have, you know, steps to follow to make sure that the risk we're taking is, is appropriate. And we have got things wrong. We are work in progress. We learn from those and we change the way we do things to make sure that we're, you know, continuing to be responsible as a brand and a business. So I think um, in terms of how we filter that through to the teams, there are, you know, uh, kind of processes and, and ways that we approach that stuff but also as I mentioned we do have um, a effort budget I don't want to use the f word but an effort budget that you know we say to the team like go out and try this and that's something that we do do with social media and see what happens and see what we learn but you know it's about I think freedom within a framework a kind of calculated risk because I think ultimately we are we do need to be responsible and I think particularly now that we are we talk about going from a a little big business to a big little business and I think now that we are growing you know we do need to make sure that we are leading by example behaving in a responsible way but still keeping you know a really strong connection to our tone of voice and who we are and you know our, our purpose as a brand and a business. Mm-hmm. Bang on that that framework you know it strikes me that it it must just be so useful to apply on the team level but then if one was also uncomfortable with the risk taking then I'm not I'm rephrasing something you've said here rather than sort of adding anything new but you know allowing yourself to make those those questions to yourself and sort of say okay so uh, I want to take a risk but what are the non-negotiables that I cannot risk or that uh, will not improve my life or or whatever and then I guess by that filtering down you eventually get to to your answer very Sherlock Holmes sort of process of Yeah, exactly. And honestly, it's, you know, it's hard because our, I think our social media team across Europe, all the people that work in social media are exceptionally talented human beings. And I think how we keep the balance of, um, you know, relishing that talent and supporting it and also making sure that they've got the right constraints in which to, to have that freedom is, is, is tough. Um, but, you know, it's something that we are conscious of and, and work out each and every day. Love that. Thank you very much. Um, okay, next question comes from an anonymous. Um, so there was a point in your talk where you referenced uh, being jolly, and then there was uh, another point where you referenced uh, being grumpy, and you you referred to it as flexing your style. Um, and so the question comes from them, and it says, "I'd like to hear more about flexing your style. Uh, what yeah. does that involve?" And you know, yeah, is as open as that. <laughs> yeah, so um, I would say that the majority of the time, I'm definitely that kind of positive. I bring lots of energy um, and and embrace the jolly uh, in in all that I do. But I think there are times where you know, in in my role, um, I'm asking a lot of people. I'm asking them to attend training. I'm asking them to follow frameworks and steps. And you know, I think um, 
I joke about the C word, but it can feel quite corporate. Yeah. Um, and I think, you know, ultimately we, we were a startup. That's our, our history, our founder-led business, and we are growing up um, still. And I think, you know, you can get a bit of resistance to some of that stuff. So there are times, particularly with the leadership community that I sit within, where I, I need to, I guess, be a bit firmer or change my style to influence better. Because if you're always adopting the same style, and for me, that's often being nice. I talk about drowning people in jolliness, you know, how, how, if I'm always adopting that, then that's my go-to. And actually, how do you then have an impact and really influence people to do something differently? And I think there's, there's two things there. One is, what are other people's styles and how can you flex to kind of mirror that to mm -hmm. help influence and, um, you know, get them on board with what you're trying to do? Um, and the second part, I think, is also if people are used to you behaving in a certain way and then you behave slightly differently. And the way my, my boss, um, Kirsty, who I know came to speak to you um, earlier this year, but, you know, the way Kirsty says this to me is, um, Katie, when you get grumpy with us, we all feel like we've been children who are told off <laughs> and we all go away and reflect on it. Yeah. And she said, so please can I ask that you keep doing that, but only do it every now and again when you really need something. Because otherwise I'm overflexing my style, I'm moving away from naturally me. And I think it can be quite detrimental if you're constantly moving away from being your authentic self. Mm -hmm. um, it's quite it's quite hard. And I think in the same way that you can't be growth mindset all of the time, I think trying to flex, over flex and move away from your natural style also is just exhausting and it will lose impact. Mm -hmm. So I try and use it um, as and when. And yeah, the comment I got recently was, oh, normally you're quite grumpy about that, Katie. And there was one particular thing that I'd obviously been trying to land for a long time. Normally you're quite grumpy about that, Katie. And today you're not. And I said, well, no, you know, I'm okay about it now, but I was grumpy about it, you know, so how can you flex and, and you, you know, know when you can unlock those, I guess, superpowers to influence others. Um, but again, I got the feedback from my boss. I'm aware that I'm doing it, but I asked for feedback and said, you know, does it come across either that I'm head in the clouds or does it come across actually that I'm being a bit grumpy? Because for me, that doesn't feel natural. I don't like feeling grumpy and I don't really like feeling angry as I mentioned but actually it's really powerful for me when I can do that I love that there's just so much self-awareness that comes comes from that you know that's that's with all of this there's there's two questions that I want to uh, finish on the the last one will be uh, your favorite self-development books uh, so I'm going to prompt that in there if you have any um, but the 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 one that I'm going to ask first is uh, a meaningful one and and uh, sensitive one so this comes in and says that self-belief can get chipped away if you keep getting knocked back uh, I failed to get a job after dozens of interviews and it's trashed my self-confidence how can I pick up from this horrible time I've started to think I started out thinking it would all change for the better but clearly it isn't just yet and I'd love yeah. anyone to chip in on the chat feature as well uh, if you've got any thoughts as well because uh, that's what community is here for as well right to, to yeah yeah, and that's that's really hard, and that is partly my like argument with resilience. Mm -hmm. But actually, it is it's really hard, and I think if you keep um, getting knocked back and keep getting you know stumbling blocks in your way, it, and keep falling down and trying to get back up and trying to rally, um, and the the only kind of real advice I can give because I think you know I I've shortened the story of. Um, me going through the redundancy 
experience and I basically said I you know compartmentalized my emotions into two days but goodness me I cried all through that process you know and I think it's about making sure that you've got two things one um, a support network around you um, and that can come in many forms um, lots of different backup it could be family it could be friends it could be colleagues and actually I had a, a colleague when I was going through the redundancy process who lived in St Albans and she and I used to meet at the park and go for power walks around the park and just talk it through talk it out and it was like a coaching session and actually walking alongside someone is really effective because you're not having this kind of someone looking at you and actually it's amazing how much you can you can get out in those situations so know your support network and I would really encourage that the walk and talk as a really good mechanic to get everything off your chest and for the other person to, to listen and not necessarily give you the answers but just to help you work through what is going on there for you. Um, I think as well, just being kind and self-compassionate, and that's really hard, but I think, you know, the little things each and every day, like what did I do well today? Mm -hmm. um, you know, what, what happened this week that was good? And actually spending that time to just reflect on, on the good stuff, um, because there will be things that you are still doing brilliantly, even if people are knocking you back. And I, and I think, you know, I've talked a bit about feedback today, but asking those, those companies that you've applied for jobs and haven't been successful, making sure you're getting the feedback as well and understanding, because more often than not, it may not be about you. It may just be an, another candidate that had, you know, more relevant experience for that role. So, and I, if that keeps coming and you keep feeling like you're being knocked down, that, that does get hard. But there may be some bits in the feedback that can really help you learn and kind of take away from the opportunity. But yeah, honestly, like being kind to yourself is, is really key as well. Hang on. Thank you. Thank you for a very compassionate answer. It's really appreciated. And, and thank you to everyone in, in the chat as well who have uh, had some really, really lovely uh, thoughts right there. So, so thank you. Uh, the, the last question I promised was uh, any thoughts on self-development books as Alice is always looking to add them to the collection. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, it's, it's really hard, actually, because um, I a lot of like my I listen to a lot of podcasts and and a lot of my development is actually more about like health and well-being, nice. ironically, than it is about marketing. Um, <laughs> but um, and I probably at the minute, because of where I am in my life with a very full life with two small children running around, I don't get loads of time to read. But there are one of one of the books that I uh, still have carried with me um, and I often kind of give it to people is The First 90 Days, um, which is ultimately about starting a new job. But it's about carving out what your first 90 days look like and kind of tracking that along the way and understanding um, what's what's working and what's not. Um, and the other one is The Rules of Work, which the number one rule of The Rule of Work book is that you don't tell anyone you've read The Rule of Work book. <laughs> so um you know it's a bit like fight club but um but it, it's a great book you know lots of kind of uh ways to approach work to think about how you present your authentic natural self at work but in a really kind of professional way um and I read that quite early in my career um it was given to me by an old coach and, and I've gone on to give it to uh, lots of my uh, team members and um you know people that I've, I've mentored along the way so uh hopefully that that will be valuable Amazing. And then I've got a pile of books on my desk that I want to get around to reading. <laughs> so um, yeah, so work Brilliant. in progress. See, there's it's, loads of things that I want to learn, and uh, and so, time. Yeah. <laughs> I love that. Uh, Alice says thanks for the recommendations. Okay. I'm <laughs>
uh and uh i just can't help get a mental image of you at fight club now so uh, <laughs> that's, that's, that's now you know what i'm like you know what i'm like <laughs> jolly indeed um <laughs> and that will round us out um so honestly thank you so much for taking the time uh katie thank you as well to everyone in the chat for um for for just being wonderful as ever it's uh endlessly uh just lovely to share this experience with all of you thank you all very very much for taking the time uh we'll be back at the end of august so we've got a few weeks off so i just hope that you really have a fabulous summer as well uh you enjoy hopefully we'll get some sunshine and uh and and, and enjoy that too so uh thank you katie thank you everyone for being here if i could ask one favor it would be to thank the sponsors uh for supporting us throughout season 10 like those little messages go such a long way uh to them uh, continuing to support us and to continue to support the community so if you're taking anything out of today please do that and with all that said see you in a few weeks thank you for taking the time and uh see you soon cheers katie thank you thanks for having me <laughs>